Welcome back to the Start and Scale podcast. I'm your host, Jack Brandwood, and this is the place where we speak with people who are starting and scaling tech businesses. We'll be talking with founders, investors, and everyone in between. This week, I sit down with Patrick Smith over at Zelly, and our conversation ranges from building communities, why the North is a place to be, and putting in place your founding team. Like, you can ask that question, to hire a person, sign here. It's very simple, and they sign, okay, I'll pay you the salary. But actually delivering a product, that's the difficult part. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy the episode. Patrick, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, in Ancoats. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is uh, on a beautiful oh. Manchester day. This is a beautiful Manchester day, which is the really sad thing. Um, just to start things off, to anyone who doesn't know who Patrick Smith is, who is Patrick Smith? There's a lot of people that doesn't know who I am uh, yet, uh, but uh, uh, I'm uh, Patrick Smith, a uh, very Norwegian uh, name, uh, born in Oslo, Norway, um, but moved to the UK, uh, specifically London, uh, eight years ago. I then moved up to Manchester roughly uh, 14 months ago, uh, something like that. Um, and started my b- first business at an age of 10, um, built multiple businesses, both successfully and some massive failures. So so done a lot in my life. Um, I look at myself as the potato. Uh, I work with absolutely everything. It's a strange reference, but I look at myself that I, that I can work with bits and pieces. Uh, I don't specialize in one thing. The only thing that I specialize in is to try to enjoy the journey and actually building something together with people. And that's what I enjoy the most. Um, I also have a background as a full stack developer. Um, I'm crazy. Um, yeah, many things, many things. Patrick gives many things. <laughs> I was talking just before we started filming the podcast, and I, I can confirm you are a little bit crazy, but in the best possible way, I promise. Um, when we, whenever you've probably seen the podcast a few times, whenever we start, our big vision here at Tax is that we want to create a world where everyone gets their dream job. Yeah. You know, you weren't always Patrick from Zally. Um, could you do me a favor? Could you draw me what you wanted to be when you were growing up? Yes, I can. Are you a good, are you a good drawer? No, not at all. Uh, so I find this uh, slightly difficult um, because how should I approach it? Because the thing is that what I look at is very different to what you would think it is. But what I'm going to do is to, this can be a man or a female. That's okay. It's important. Stick, stick person is always the best. They have, the person has wide shoulders. But it has a tie and a suit jacket on. You should guess, right? Yes. Yeah. This isn't Undertaker? No. No, no. Smiling, which is always good. And then uh, the other person that sits here, this is just for the story. So you might understand it, that this person is in handcuff. Can you understand what it is then? Are you a, a, like a lawyer? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. So um, I wanted to become that. Um, but I didn't attend school enough to be able to do so. Okay. But I'm I'm uh, together with a solicitor today, so in some shape and form that that came to life. But but I think um, there's two jobs that the world always need. There's somebody that works in finance and somebody that understands the law um, and how you could uh, could help. So I was always wanted to fight uh, what was right for people. Um, so for me, it was. Um, job that was not like a fireman or police officer there was somebody that was helping others and to make what is fair so i've always been fascinated why people defend uh, 
like heavy criminals uh, to try to give them a balanced explanation of what they have done and things like that, but also fighting good causes. Uh, so I love what, like, I know this is, a, this is a bad reference, but like what Kim Kardashian is doing now, she's using her influence to actually bring justice over people uh, that has been evicted wrongly and things like that. So, um, yeah, I've always been that. And and I was even in a, at school, I was on a board of uh, solving problems. Uh, so like a problem solver board. Uh, that being said, a lot of the times I went on the on the problem side. Uh, so it was quite funny. So I was the, the one that solved the problem, but also the, the, sometimes the one that caused a lot of the problems. Uh, so I was not very easy to deal with when I was younger yeah. uh, because I had a lot of crazy ideas. But I think that's what I like. If I had started uh, all over again and would have done it, I think, um, yeah, I would have been a, been a lawyer. I'm great at telling, uh, or I've been told that I'm great at telling stories and I'm great at lying as well. So, so I think a lawyer needs those, those ingredients to visualize and actually tell a story. So I'm always fascinated about uh, good, good lawyers. Yeah, yeah I've, I've always been told them that the truth gets away with a good story. Hey, can, 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 can you sign that for us? Is that right? I, I can. It's a, it's a beautiful... Uh, it's a great page. No, because we, we're creating a bit of a scrapbook of people's kind of dream jobs, if you like. So we'll be putting it together. I use a different signature that I normally do, so you don't uh, oh, try to fraud. Re Yeah, yeah. Great picture. Thank you very much for that. I don't know if he has a belt on or or handcuffs. Uh, it was horrible anyway, but it's great. Well, starting at the beginning then. So obviously not a Manchester native. I grew up in Norway, Oslo. Yeah. Uh, so what, what were you like as a kid? I think, um, I, I know I just said that I wanted to become a lawyer, but um, that I think was because I wanted to, to get myself a good education. We had a lot of family members that, that had that position or had that education as uh, so I was doing it. But I think at the same time, I wanted to do more, and I think that's the main reason for me not becoming a, uh, a solicitor. I wanted to always create a business, um, so that that made me set up the first business, or not one, but two businesses at an age of 10. Uh, one was a DJ booking business, um, which was providing um, uh, weddings, uh, uh, anniversaries, and events with a DJ, mobile, so I had uh, all the equipment with me. And then um, secondly, it was a, uh, a full stack development for my dad's friends, businesses that wanted to be online. Remember, this is like we're talking uh, now and reveal my age as well, but, but 1995. Wow. So it was very, very early days. Um, so so self-taught. Uh, I, I read a thousand pages how to do, to do like the, the was it uh, Photoshop for dummies the first time I started. Uh, so I remember the early days of, of, of Photoshop. Yeah, I just I just wanted to, to to learn about creating online presence because there was something that interested me in, in that tech tech world, buying domains. So I bought a lot of domains, sold a lot of domains early days, had a lot of great domains. Sadly, I should have bought more, um, uh, knowing now. But, but um, uh, I think there was the meeting people... Um, Having control over crowds as being a DJ was something that fascinated me. And I was the one to blame if they didn't have a good night. So it was always about challenging yourself, improving yourself in terms of the skills. I'm not talking in, in, in mixing skills. I'm talking about delivering uh, music that excited people and created an experience. And I've always been about that, like creating experiences. So... Um, Yes, I did that, and then I started professionally when I was 13. And I, I know that sounds crazy, but I was picked up by 
one of the Nordic's biggest uh, um, DJ vendors. Uh, and they had, in the Nordics, had like a top five list, uh, list of the best DJs in the Nordics. Uh, after a full year with them, I came on third place, which I think was a massive achievement because I played again, like I was up against like some of the biggest DJs in the Nordics. Uh, for, for that, we're not talking the nightclub DJs here. We're talking like mobile DJs that live and breathe traveling, traveling all over, all over Norway and doing this. Um, so I did that for a few years. Then I, uh, set up my own DJ business again, that I just wanted to be a one man band. thought that would be better, be very more selective of what type of events that I wanted to attend. And then I went to, a, um, a wedding. There was an another event going on, uh, on at the same venue. The guy had a, a, was a DJ at the wedding. And I said to him, it's like, have you been asked to play at other weddings today? Uh, it was like at least three. I was like, I had, I was requested for four others. I was like, why don't we do something about it and structure this? Because we can only be at two places at once. But we had the initial call for then potential like eight DJ jobs in one, one evening. So... We decided, met up the next day, decided to set up a, a, a DJ booking uh, agency, which after a year, we had 40 full-time DJs. I think we booked in that first year a thousand DJ jobs. So we had some of the biggest clients. One of the things that we did differently then was that we, we structured everything. So we were the first one that actually sent invoices for the jobs rather than taking cash in hand, which was normally at weddings, you just got paid whatever you got paid. In, in, in cash. So we structured it. So that means also that we could provide businesses with this service for their Christmas parties, summer parties, anniversaries, whatever. They could hire us um, because we could send that invoice. Um, yeah, so that scaled massively. And I did my first exit then when I was 18 from that business. I was, honestly, the reason why I did it was that I was, I was fed up. Uh, I was, I did 175 DJ jobs and running the business in one year. Like it wasn't enough to run myself, but to run 40 other DJs. And remember that this was not just them having the DJ job. It was also uh, giving them the equipment so they could rent by the end of it because we were making so much money. So we reinvested that money into equipment. So by the end of it, I think we had like 10 full sets. So the DJ came to us, they could just have their own music. This is pre like laptop. So they had their CDs with them in a suitcase and they showed up and we had then everything ready for them. So we built partnership with all, all the wedding venues, everything like that. So it was, it was great. So, but I was, I was at the end of it. I was burned out from being out Thursday, like to, to Sunday, like some days I did two jobs on a Saturday. I can do like a nine year old birthday, karaoke birthday in the afternoon and a wedding in the evening. Uh, and over time it, it, it drains, it, it drains it. So, I decided to leave that, took a short break, started to look into um, uh, doing an event company and a media business, uh, which I invested in a lot of time and money into. We built that to 24 people and then finance crisis came. Uh, everyone that had booked us for events had to come into us and says like, uh, we're going to pay you the deposit, but we can't continue because we need to, to, to lay off 300 people, uh, which was totally understandable. Nobody wanted to celebrate when they had to lay off this, this amount of people. So it wouldn't be fair to have new openings or anything like that. So um, paid out all the stuff, lost a lot of money. I think I learned more from shutting down like three, four businesses under this umbrella in two and a half years than I'd done ever since. 
And then I did um, concert promotion. After that, I worked with Tiesto, Bob Sinclair, uh, Rihanna, 50 Cent, G-Unit, uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah, so I've done a lot of cool things after that. And then I started building brands. Uh, I help businesses grow their brands. So I'm very obsessed with brands and, and how that could impact people. So then again, like trying to figure out what does people want? Same as at, at the wedding when you, what type of music does people want? How can you actually encourage people to buy a product by using brands and messaging as a way to do it? So did that for a couple of years. Um, and then one of the a uh, client that I had uh, whilst building brands and doing brand partnerships and, and product placements was a Norwegian investor. And he came to me and says, Patrick, could you come and, and help me run run a, run a team? Um, and I said, uh, yeah, but I, I don't want to be hired by anyone. No, no, no. I just hire you as a consultant for a period of time. Um, I have a CEO. I have the full the tech team. Um, and you need to come and work for me. Uh, long story short, I've said, yes, that sounds great. I can do that for a period of time, help you. Um, because I thought it was in, in Bergen, which is on the West coast of Norway. And that's when my wife, uh, studied, studied law. So I thought, okay, brilliant. Uh, we can go there, spend a period of time there. So I said, yes. And he said, oh, sorry, by the way, it's in London. And I said, even better. So I called my wife. I said, we're moving to London. She said, what? One week later. Uh, I was in Notting Hill in London. Uh, we had rented like, you know, an um, all-inclusive apartment because when you come to, to London for the first time, you don't have a bank account or anything, so you're not able to rent anything. And then one week after that, my wife moved over after packing down everything we had in a container and, and, and putting our flat on the market. We, we just planned to stay here for six months. So we had a three-and-three-month lease on that uh, flat. Uh, this is pre-children, so we lived in Notting Hill, could have walking distance to everything. It was a fantastic period, uh, like exploring London as a tourist, but also living there at the same time. And then I did that for, I think, between six and nine months. I finalized the project for them, set them up so they were able to to, to execute what they were doing. Um, and then I said, I, I've seen a massive gap in the market. There's no one that is connecting brands with influencers. I thought the best way to, to get in touch with, with influencers and brands was to set up an event. So I set up an event in, in Kensington uh, Close Hotel uh, in, in, in Kensington, London, invited a lot of brands and influencers. Little did I know that this was needed in the market uh, because we only had room for 150 people and 165 people uh, ended up buying uh, tickets. So I sold, because coming from Norway, I didn't understand you, you, you can't, everybody said you can't charge for tickets. I charged 20 quid because I thought, okay, that makes them actually come. They need to commit to it. So we're talking, this is 2015, um, and 165 people came. A lot of the brands approached me and said, Patrick, you know all these influencers? And I said, yes, of course I do. I didn't know any of them, just met them. And they said, like, we love this concept, but we can't have 150 people promoting our brand or in our restaurants or anything like that. And the brands was like, Just Eat, Deliveroo, Uber Eats, your Mitchells and Butler, your Stonegate, AB InBev, Diacho, things like that. And said like, we would we, we, like, they were queuing up to speak with me about like doing influencer marketing for them. And I said like, can you host like next month, 10 events for us, bring 10, event, uh, 10, uh, 10 of these people down at the time. And I said, yeah, but wouldn't it be better if I do like 15, 20 or something like that? Do whatever you want. We pay you anyway for 10 and 10. So by the end of the night, I had another business idea of setting up a digital marketing agency. So I went to a friend 
asked him, can I rent a desk at your office? Um, he said, yeah, that's fine. I said, I, I might not be able to pay you in advance, but I can pay you uh, from the business by the end of the month when the customers pays me. He said, go ahead. After 17 days, I hired the first employee. To make a long story uh, short, two and a half years in, we were 50 people, had 250 retained clients, 100 adult clients. Um, and I exited uh, and left that business after then two, two and a half years. My wife stayed a bit longer. Um, uh, so my wife joined me in that business and helped me grow that business, um, which was great. Um, a lot of people says you shouldn't work with your, with your, with your partner or your wife or whatever. I loved it. It was brilliant because then we were actually able to see each other, uh, in that two and a half years. Uh, during that, we also got a, a, a daughter, um, which is now, uh, seven years old. Yeah. And then I left and then, uh, some of the investors approached me and says, can you, can you do this again? I said, of course I can. Uh, but I didn't want to. So uh, I set up, and this time around, I wanted it to be a one-man band. Um, so I helped e-commerce businesses online, trying to convert more of their existing traffic that they had. But I wanted to challenge myself. So I was approached by a friend that has a waste management business. And I thought, okay, what is better than, than helping a waste management business? Because I'm sure they, they don't get a lot of conversions because what is more sexier than rubbish? What I saw helping uh, something like a waste management business, an e-commerce business, or any any other uh, online business was that they were all struggling with like kind of the similar things. Um, and two of the things piqued my interest. It was uh, cart abandonment from password friction or account creation. So I thought there must be a better way. But it was sadly first when my mom passed away with cancer and left my dad with dementia, not being able to remember any password that I thought, okay, we need to take a step back here. Why do we always add additional uh, factors and friction to the user journey when we are, if we pull up a passport, we can say that we are a Jack or a Patrick quite simply. I started on a journey, set out on a journey, um, investing some money into uh, behavioral biometric as a way to authenticate users just based on how we interact with our smart devices. So that's the speed you raise your phone to your ear, how you tilt your device, so on and so on. And after doing that for two years, we managed to achieve quite good results, but it wasn't a business. It didn't solve any problem. It just, we're able to confirm that it was the right user. So my wife said, uh, we need to find a way how we could, could, could create a business from this. So I contacted Innovate UK. They said, Patrick, you need to be closer to the cybersecurity um, tech scene ecosystem, and that is in Manchester. So I went to my wife again, said, and this time I joked with it. I said, we're moving to Manchester, by the way. And she didn't say no. Uh, and I just left it. And a few hours later, she came back and says, uh, I found three schools. Uh, I found a location. Uh, and I need X, Y, Z for this to make it happen. And by the way, I'm not packing down all these uh, things we have here. We need to get somebody to help us out to move, which we did. So... July last year, um, we moved to Manchester. Best decision we ever made. Um, and in October, we set up Sally as it is today. So that, that brings us to Sally. Sally. So why Sally? I mean, by the way, just firstly, what an incredible story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've done, it kind of it makes you feel quite inadequate, actually, but about how much you've done. Um, I, say, I saved a lot. I, I, uh, I tried to keep it short. Jeez, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, why Sally? Why did you pick the name Sally? So this is interesting. Uh, we called it initially uh, Altify. 
because authentication and, and Shopify, Spotify, and we wanted to help e-commerce businesses. So, but the Swedish government has their EID. So based on research, because we just took the domain name first and used that as like a, a name, a working name, we tried to approach the Swedish government and says like, can we acquire the .com domain at some point? They, they didn't want to even entertain the conversation. It says like, if you uh, come across as us at any point in time in the future, that could be really bad. So it's not happening. Forget about it. You don't even need to talk to us about it. So I was challenged then to come up with another name and ended up with Sally. Because why not? And then we managed to acquire Sally.com. Um, we have trademarked the name. Um, yes, we've done a lot of things with that name. Um, we could say uh, it means a lot of things uh, now in, in, in afterthought, but um, it's, it's your uh, A to Z uh, journey online. It's your ally from Zalai. The, the brand color, which also makes totally sense when you know what that is all about. I love the color, by the way. Yeah, so so our purple color, if you combine uh, Manchester City with Manchester uh, United, you're getting purple. And as you know, like purple is, is Manchester's uh, uh, city color anyway. So it's, it was a lot of coincidence that just went right. Yeah, we want to stand out. So the reason for behind our brand colors, just to, 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 to emphasize on that, is that we wanted to stand out. Well, a lot of, of the businesses in our like authentication, security, fraud detection, all that, that is very blue. That is very safe, which it should be. But we wanted to stand out and we, we don't want to be a competitor. We want to create our own lane. By doing so, we don't put ourselves or we don't give ourselves any boundaries. Uh, we don't think outside the box for us. In, at Sally, it doesn't exist any box. So we just like do whatever we want. Uh, and hopefully it works out well for us. Um, that's the same way that we are handing out condoms. I don't know if you've seen it, Jack, where it says uh, uh, F uh, passwords on it. And we give out also lollies where it says uh, passwords uh, suck. It's just about being disruptive. And when you work with a technology that is novel, uh, nobody's done it before. Nobody's doing it in the way that we are able to do. We're able to do it with 99% accuracy after short training of the model. Um, and that is just very, very disruptive. And for that reason, our things that we do in marketing, um, when we do talks, uh, the way we dress, the way we, the team are built needs to be disruptive. So, and it needs to reflect Manchester. So, uh, in so many ways. So we love the support that we got from Manchester so far, which has been fantastic. So back to the, what I mentioned is the best thing that we ever done. The reason why it's been the best thing to move to Manchester is because the support that we got as starting up and setting up a business. Yeah, it's a, it is a, an amazing ecosystem. Everyone says that when we get them on the podcast, they always talk about how supportive it is and how community driven it is. It, yeah, it really is. Um, so I'm glad you felt that way. Uh, you touched on what Zali does um, and it's interesting in a world where everyone's trying to be more secure. You're Well, you are trying to be secure, but you've rather than putting loads of barriers up and loads of different authentication factors, whatever it might be, you're trying to do the opposite, which is really interesting. If you had to, do, to explain what Azali did to, I don't know, a Labrador, for instance, what, how would you describe it? Woof, woof. Yeah. <laughs> um, I normally say to my team, I, I, I love the idea and the messaging, but I need to bring it home to my daughter. Uh, she's seven years old. Uh, if she can't understand what we're trying to do, how should we get anybody to understand what we do? So the messaging has to be like very, very slick. So in simple terms, what we're doing, we are powering the internet with continuous user authentication. So whilst everyone else is doing point in time exercises, your face ID, the way you, when you type in your password, that's a point in time. 
we are able to do it passively running in the background, but continuously authenticating you. So we know is a jack every single millisecond. And that can be applied to uh, um, a lot of different things. We are just using our technology to get rid of passwords first, but anything that needs access or you need to, uh, to, to verify or confirm that it's the right user, you can use Sally for. So we are creating a technology that are able to confirm that you are you, but we are applying that technology to getting rid of password because when we got, got it out of the way that this is Jack with 99% accuracy, then what's the point of having passwords? That I'm sure you use your same password across mul multiple accounts. Yeah, password one, two, three, four, exclamation mark. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one I have as well on a lot of things. I, I, I think a lot of people uh, use that across uh, a lot of things uh, now just because it has become this massive joke. Um, but, but no, so we reuse passwords across accounts and it's so easy to hack. So yeah, we needed to find something that was future-proof that is based on, on your movement patterns. So the way our technology works is that we capture data from how you interact with your smartphone or from your laptop or from your tablet. And that data is very rich. So we, 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 use this, we use machine learning to train an algorithm based on you and using AI to actually determine if this is the right user or not. It goes way over my head, but it sounds incredible. Uh, is it, and is it, is it secure? Yeah, it's, it's the most secure solution out there. The thing is that with our technology as well, we can sit on top. So we don't look at what you would call them competitors. We look at them potential partners. Mm -hmm. So without mentioning any names, but there is a lot of players in, in the password vault uh, um, authentication out there, which we can sit on top. So we replace that multi-factor. So you don't need your one-time code or, or things like that to authenticate the user. If you have the strongest solution today, we can sit on top and make it unhackable. Are you finding that, because I say it's a new, this is totally brand new, right? I've never heard of anything like this before. It's, and it sounds incredible. Yeah. Have you found this been a big education piece when speaking to potential partners? Yeah, of course, because it's been an education piece for us as well. Uh, there's a lot of unknown unknowns. That is what scares us in, in the development team is like, what have we not figured out yet? Um, because we're creating a lot of scenarios on if somebody uh, videos an individual uh, uses AI to track their patterns, are we able then to replicate that user's identity uh, to actually hack their way into their, their account? So there is a lot of things that we need to think of. Uh, so yes, it has been um, a scary process, but again, so giving and so fascinating because it's so rewarding that we achieve what we set out to do. Um, but it hasn't been easy. Like, trust me, it's not easy. Um, but we have a great team and that is important. So since we moved up here, we hired some fantastic people. So our, our CTO is, is, is good to mention, uh, Prabhu was prior to joining us. He was the CTO for MIQ digital. So he was employee number 10, built their tech team to 350 people. He was with them for 10 years. They are now 1400 people doing like six, 700 million recurring revenue. Uh, so just insane. Um, then he went, he exited from that January 22, went uh, a, a year on, on travel uh, together with his wife, explored the world, uh, well-deserved, and then he joined joined us. And then we have our, our principal data scientist is is, is former uh, lead data detection at N. Brown, uh, our uh, so, uh, principal software engineer, uh, 25 under 25. Like, so we have some impressive people and and we have some new talent that are brilliant at what they do that wants to be a part of the team and, and, and change the world for the better.
because we don't we don't think we will change the world. We we would definitely make it better as our solution. Uh, we're not curing cancer here, but we are helping and, and and reshaping the way we should authenticate online. It's also good to know that we are hopefully in the future are, are uh, giving other people the ability to use our white label technology uh, for 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 their tasks. So we're challenging a few partners to look at walking gate analysis to 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 see early stages of dementia based on our uh, oh, from 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 the sensors that we can pick up so hopefully we can do more than just uh getting rid of passwords but that in itself is is a big one which i will be very happy when we do yes is that, does that come from your dad because you said your dad yeah so that's the dementia dementia piece um and and i think it's needed the sad thing about dementia is it, it's so fast growing so it needs to be done something to help people but there's a lot it's of growing good, good, more people are getting diagnosed. I think I read something, and 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 uh, I might be wrong, but uh, I think I read there is fifty million, but it's ten million getting dementia every single year now. Why is that? That is crazy. I need to Google and see if that that number is correct. But uh, I think that was correct, and if so, it's it's crazy. You mentioned there that you've hired some amazing people, which is fantastic. And again, when we're speaking to people on the podcast, that seems to be the the golden thread, getting that team in place at the beginning, and you must have had it with your previous businesses as well, knowing that you get that good team in place at the beginning, which makes everything easier. Is that one of the reasons why you chose Manchester? I know one of the reasons you chose Manchester was because of the cybersecurity element, but was that one of the reasons that you chose Manchester as well, was the talent? I, yeah, yes. Uh, we needed to be closer to, to both talent, but also advisors uh, that could help us and challenge us. So I think we found that in Manchester, when you're building a team, you need to look at it as uh, as a football team. I'm not into sports, but but um, if you look at it as 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 the best eleven starters, you need to have a great team that are good at what they do. Uh, for me, I always challenge myself to find people that are smarter than myself. That's very easy, and it was easier to do it in Manchester to attract the right talent that has the fraud experience, the cybersecurity, that understands what we're trying to achieve. I would say you need to find that 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 core team that also not just are delivering the, the, the product, but also are part of building a culture. Because when you grow from, let us say, 10 to 15 people and, and, and upwards, then up to 50, those 10, 15 people will always be the, the core culture. And if that's wrong from the get-go, like you're going to have a, a challenge to change that because that's difficult to, 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 to change. So it's, it's very, very important that these people take part, feel like they have... Some, some ownership in what they are creating. Uh, the cool thing is that when you're building a technology like this and then you come, it's like there's no code that goes to waste uh, because you can't afford that. So you take part in everything. It's not like they, they send in for code review and, and, and they could just be binned. It's, it's always improved and optimized and, and, and they learn a lot from that. So um, yeah, it, it, it's about finding that starter 11 uh, and have a good bench and knowing what you need from that bench if there come some challenges. And my bench is currently now a lot of advisors that helps us, guide us, challenge me especially, um, and also finding the right investors. So um, Manchester is a great place for all the above. On the, I definitely want to come back to the investment piece as well. When you had your previous business, you obviously grew it up to 50 people, which is a very sizable business, of course. Yeah. I'm saying I came to you now, you know, taxes 13 people, so I wanted a bit of advice and I want to grow my team to 50 people plus, what piece of advice would you give me? Don't do it. Why? <laughs> no? I would find other ways to grow your business 
with without growing the team. So find ways how you can optimize. Uh, a lot of people approach me after talks and think that I says like, yeah, I want to grow a big team. Um, and a big question I have, are you working in the business or are you working on the business? And a lot of people just like, yeah, no, I want to work on the business now. And I think like it takes a long time before you can pull yourself back and says, I, I, I work on the business of being the visionary, travel globally. That's every founder's dream, just being on the scene and talking about what we're doing or sitting here in a, in a, in a podcast and sharing our bold vision and, and craziness. But um, I would say find ways where you can build technology so you can scale it. You don't need to take over the world. So remember, not every single business need to be, or the founder needs to be as ambitious as I am that wants to build the next unicorn from Manchester. So I'm obsessed with two things, getting rid of passwords and confirming you are you online and building the next unicorn from Manchester. I'm not expecting every founder that I meet that they will be obsessed with the similar type of thing, like I want to take over the world. So you should be happy as small. Sometimes being small, ask my wife how many fires you had to put out every single day. So the first thing, so I started 4 a.m. Uh, every day in the agency, and then my wife came in after drop-off at school, and the first thing she asked me is like, she's like, good morning. It's like, who do I need to talk to? Um, because who had uh, cried, who had uh, uh, got broken up with, uh, who was hangover, who had cried because of X, Y, like, it was always something. And, and I'm not saying this is, this is always in a business, but when you work with a business that is so agile as a tech business and a startup, there is a lot of arms and hands and there's a lot of things that can be said that is maybe not the right communicated and things like that. If you have people that get easily offended by straight talking, mm -hmm. they shouldn't be with you on the journey. Uh, and that might be the case that we had in the agencies that we had a lot of young people that hadn't been, been, been uh, or had that work experience in the past. So they were very sensitive to everything. And I think like when you are a stressed CEO, it's not every, uh, it's not always easy to communicate in the right way. So that, that's one. So I would have said uh, to the person, find ways how you can grow your business without hiring people. How can you optimize with the current team that you have? How could you potentially also then hire some consultant that can help you optimize without hiring? So remember to hire is very easy. But it's actually to deliver the product, which is a difficult part. That's the reason why I, I find it crazy when people like reward me for hiring a lot of people uh, or or raising a lot of funds. Like raising funds or hiring people, I, I know that raising funds in today's market is is slightly more difficult than that. But it's not the most difficult thing on earth. It's just like ask me, you have money, I have a great idea. Do you want me to make you money? Yes or no? It's quite simple. Like, do you want to invest in me as a, as a founder? I'm going to deliver that for you. Just trust me on this. Like, you can ask that question. To hire a person, sign here. It's very simple. And they sign, okay, I'll pay you the salary. But actually delivering a product, that's the difficult part. And that is always something that you need to remember. How do you find people that want to invest in you? I love building a community. A lot of people have said this. So this is not coming from me. Is that I'm a straight talker. I don't bullshit people. So I say, are you, are you in there or are you out? Because I don't want to waste their time. Neither do I want to waste my time because that will impact the other investors that are already invested in me. I want people that understand my crazy vision uh, that, that wants to be a part of this journey. And for me, it's, it's just reaching out to as many people that you feel can fit that profile. To date, we have raised a lot of money from angel investors, that has been like smart capital. They can add value. 
Um, and then now we're looking to 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 close the race with with uh, people that that wants to invest in a business that they want to be a part of the journey, and hopefully they come with more than just money. I know that's a pretoria statement, but more than money, um, where they actually can add some value, open some doors for us, challenge us. Because remember, they, they they become a part of something. When you join Sally, you become a part of the team. So when we had our uh, first year anniversary, um, Sean, our marketing executive, she she put on a full uh, one-year birthday party. We're talking poor kit. Uh, so the way we do it then is that we invite everyone that works with us. We also invite all our investors and their families. So we had uh, 25, 30 kids at our one-year birthday party because we want to include them. You're becoming a part of something, and that's the type of people we want to have because there might be that we end up being massive uh, um, and that will be life-changing for some of the, the investors. For others, maybe it just uh, 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 adds something to the, to the pot they already have or from, from previous exits, but we want to take them on the journey. So we want to have people that understands that we are family first and that's a massive value. And then it's important to, that they also understand that we are born and raised in Manchester. Uh, we are very proud about that and we want to build a community and we want to give back. So the day we are growing to become bigger, we want to like invest more money into Manchester. Um, we want to, uh, the day we do uh, do an exit, I want to personally, and I, I uh, agree this with my wife, I want to deploy more money into Manchester, helping founders and businesses grow, um, not just necessarily with money, but also with the right people. Because on my journey so far, I meet a lot of great people that might just be able to help me, but they can also help a lot of other great people. That was a long-winded answer, but... No, no, it's, it's fantastic. It really is, because I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is how do they identify who is best to invest in their business? And I think we tend to find that people, as soon as someone gives them a bit of money, they'll be like, hey, come on board quick, you know, I just need your money. Uh, but what... I hear you should do is is you should just be be very careful who you invite into the fold um, because those people are going to be part of the future of your business, basically. A lot of people are desperate when they're raising money. Yeah. And I fully understand that because startups, they, they, they normally start from zero. And a lot of the founders, like they, they can't even make ends meet. And that makes it really, really hard because you can smell that a long way. And it's one thing that the investors are really good at is to actually smell that. Uh, so they would give you an offer that you can't refuse <laughs> almost. Yeah. Uh, and that's taking advantage of the situation, which uh, I'm not a big fan of. Um, so i rather be in a position where you say, like the investor comes and says, like, I can add a lot of value. Here is £100,000, but I can add a lot of value. Let me know whatever I can do. And then I can say, like, can you become a non-exec? Can I give you some discount or I can pay you for your time rather than trying to wheel and deal for the best deal? So I think founders now, they need to be more like, this is what I'm asking. This is what you get in return. And what I promise you is that I'm going to work bloody hard. Like, I'm going to work bloody hard. But don't say you're going to work bloody hard. Do it. Mm -hmm. A lot of the the the, uh, the businesses that is growing up now, that like I can see globally, there's a lot of founders that says like they're going to work hard, but they're not doing the work. Um, and that doesn't mean that you need to work up, wake up as crazy as I do, like 3.55 every morning uh, to achieve what you set out to do. But you need to actually work in the business on uh, producing value for the business and the team. Are you still waking up at 3.54 now? 55. 3.55. Uh, getting that one minute more. What time are you going to sleep? 10, 11. Your whoop band must be going 
crazy. No, so now because I've had the whoop band for, 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 for a long period of time, it has adjusted. So it understands the amount of hours. Um, I'm not advising anybody to do this, by the way. It is crazy. I uh, had a conversation uh, with my investor yesterday. So he sent me a photo of he traveling to Italy yesterday at 4 a.m. at um, Manchester Airport. And he was like, this is this is crazy hours. I don't understand how you do it. But I think I spoke to my wife actually this morning about it. It's like, it's not, it's not, um, it's something that I enjoy so much. And I've done it for such a long time that I enjoy doing it. So to force myself during the weekend, um, I have a personal training session at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Nice. But it's also important to say I don't drink. So I haven't been drinking alcohol for two years. And that also helps me uh, get better sleep. So I get better deep sleep. I eat, uh, which which Sean that sits, sits next to us near here can confirm. But uh, I eat like super clean. I'm on a body transformation diet. So I eat like X amount of calories. Everything is weighed to just create the best self because I enjoy that. That is not for everyone. You need to find what is best for you. Is that to eat four eggs in the morning or is that eating a burger uh, once in a while? It doesn't matter. You need to find what is right for you and optimize that. But you can't then complain about, so I, I'm not able to achieve X, Y, Z. You need to, 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 to be able to produce the best you to help and guide the team in the right way. Because I don't want to sit in 30 years time and I was like, I didn't give it my all. Yeah, that's that's always the reason. So we have a large chocolate uh, uh, jar in the office and I'm obsessed with chocolate. Um, but I hadn't had now the last three months um, a single piece of chocolate um, because I want to show myself. And remember, you only fool yourself. You don't fool anybody else. So I wanted to make tell myself you're not having anything outside of the, the what has been created for me and see how better can I become? So always look at yourself first. It's, it's like where they say on the airplanes, like uh, put the mask on yourself first to help others. You need to think as a founder, you need to help yourself first. You have the founder, Sam Royal from, from Soul Squared. He's the gym every single morning as well because he knows his head needs it. Yeah. Um, a lot of founders has um, uh, neurodiversity. So they're, they're, you need to find out what helps you and guide you so you can keep focused throughout the day. I think I have all letters in the alphabet. I'm, I'm very calm sitting here, but but I have all those letters and, and you need to find the best way to use those letters. That's incredible. That that's, um, sobriety piece is really interesting because you find that's it's becoming more and more common for people to do that. And, and even I'm uh, kind of sober curious to call it now. And, and uh, historically, when I was going through my career, I would, I would you know, probably twice a week, you'd, you'd go out and get drunk. Um, but what I found is starting this business up and when you have to be there available for people, can't you can't be doing that so you do you, like you said you need to look after yourself you need to not drink you can't come in hungover when you have people's kind of livelihoods re realistically are relying on you and i think that's a really good way to look at it is you don't want to look back and think i haven't didn't give it everything that i've got i spoke to a couple of people recently who've said that they said uh, a friend of mine harrison he said um he spoke to somebody who said who literally said look if i didn't drink i'd have scaled twice as quick i'd have gr grown business exited twice as quick so let me make this clear. I'm not advising anybody to stop drinking. And for the reason, it gives you superpower. Drink, drinking does? No, 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 not drinking. Oh, not drinking does, I was gonna say. So, so I don't advise anybody to stop drinking for the reason that's selfish reasons. Yeah. No, no, no. So I'm not going out and talking to people as like, stop drinking, stop drinking. I'm not that person. The only thing that I'm saying that start thinking about, and, and, and like, if you're gonna have a glass of wine, have a great glass of wine. 
uh, don't get pissed for the sake of getting pissed. Yeah. Uh, we did that too much in the agency. And I thought, okay, let me try have a different report to it now and see how, how that will work out for me. So number one, you feel better, you sleep better, you lose weight, you're able to, to, to perform better everywhere. So why not? It's just silly not to. So, so um, we have another friend in business that, that stopped. I think he's now this week, 12 weeks in. And I uh, met him at a Manchester Tech Festival event and he came to me and I was like, yeah, I'm drinking, I'm drinking too much. I was like, yeah, 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 continue drinking. Continue drinking. It just helps me to perform better because I'll become superhuman if you stop, like if you continue drinking. And he, that triggered something with him. And then we had a, uh, he said, can I call you tomorrow? I just need to have a chat with you. And we, we discussed it without going into detail. He talked about how alcohol had, had uh, what it had done. Uh, and he started to reflect on it. And it says like there was something that, 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 that triggered in me that you said you are becoming a superhuman for not drinking. And that's very simple. You don't, it's, not, it's not like you need to take a pill. It's just like avoiding doing something seven days a week or four days a week or three days. I'm not saying that you should stop completely. If you enjoy on a Friday night having wine with your, with your, with your partner, go for it or go for a beer with your friends on a Saturday. But not do it every day of the week. Uh, it's not healthy in any shape and form. Um, the advised limit for drinking alcohol now in Norway, uh, they've done some research, is zero entities. That says it all. Um, so, yeah, just just reflect and think about it. Maybe start reducing it. We have now, uh, have a, uh, it's funny, um, I don't know I'm the cause of it, but but... Next to us sit Manchester Tech Festival, which is a great community. And a lot of the, 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 the organizing board and the team members, they are now 9, 10, 11 weeks in without alcohol. And they just changed their mind. Um, they just saw that I was able to build a business and performing well. And I think that encouraged them to try it. So it's fascinating how that can have an impact without trying to preach about it. That's fantastic. It really is. Obviously, talks about where Zali came from, where it is now. What's the plan for Zali moving forward? No, so we starting, um, uh, we have developed the technology. So now we are in, in, in uh, end of this year and beginning of next year, we're doing our testing, uh, more live testing with, with people. Um, so we've been training the model based on, on real data. So we need to expand on that and, and, and see how that can be implemented on live websites. Uh, so we're doing that uh, currently as we speak. Um, and then uh, next year is the year of, of, of digging the grave for passwords. Um, and by building the next unicorn of Manchester, which I know is, is not very humble to say, but it's a bold, brave thing to do. And we need all the help in the world from Manchester and beyond to actually do so. So if anybody's listening to the podcast, I feel I can help in any shape and form, please reach out, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, or follow me on, on Instagram as you would do, uh, Jack, um, and, 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 and see, see where, uh, and follow us on the journey. The, the, the thing that I would like to add is that we have hired a full-time videographer starting in December, which is super exciting. We've done that to document the journey. Um, so we have a, a videographer that's going to follow us every day, going to show behind the scenes, and hopefully that would potentially inspire but it would also give people some some tips and tricks on how to not do things and how to do things. But also that um, I'm very fortunate to be able to sit in the room with a lot of incredible people. I want to take people inside that room and actually 
challenge people to share share some of their knowledge beyond myself and how that can help. Hopefully that starts in Manchester, goes to the UK, and then can go beyond after that. Um, and that's where we see ourselves. Um, we want to take over the world. So we're starting here in the UK, um, Q2 next year, going to Germany, and then hopefully to the US. Exciting. If today was your last day on Earth, and of course you weren't on the podcast and you know here, because that's what you would be doing, of course, what would you be up to? Um, that's a really, really good question, actually. Um, spend time with family. Um, make food. Eat a, <laughs> eat a lot of good food. Do you, you won the London Dish Award, right? Uh, so I, I won the Mayor of London Award for food photography. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the picture of? There was Crop House Dish of uh, Moo Pig. Yeah. Um, and that's like a, um, a Thai dish. Um, so I won that, um, that helped, helped a lot actually. So it was 4,000 photographers. So, um, that was part of that competition. Um, but, but, so I didn't mention that I was a food photographer. I know, but yeah, but I, I, I read that and it's, I'm going to follow you on Instagram. Yeah. Thank you. I love food. So there would have been spent time with family eating good, good food. I think, I think that's the best time you can have spending time with people that care about you. Um, but also I wanted, like, I wanted, I, I needed to spend an hour, if you know it's your last day, to plan for the people that comes after you. Um, I think leaving a legacy and then knowing that they are taken care of is also super, super important. Because remember, we, we as a business is family first. I'm not just doing this for myself. I'm doing it for the team. I'm also doing it for my daughter. I have another one coming in January. So I'm doing it for more than myself. Um, so for that reason, that gives you a why. Great. Well, look, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really great meeting you. Thank you for having me, uh, Jackie. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. I know I've been talking a lot, but uh, thank you. Hey, no, no, not at all, not at all. I'm excited to see where Zali are in the next six months. Thank you so much, uh, Jack. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed it. Anything we talked about will be linked in the show notes, and if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll catch you on the next one.